This morning is uh, our next message in Advent, which is on peace. And so uh, I just want to say first that uh, when whenever Dan asked me to preach, I was excited and said yes, and then I saw that uh, it was the Advent sermon on peace, and I was not so excited as I previously was. Um, so I've, I've been preaching for like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years when I get the opportunity. And so I don't generally get nervous preaching anymore, but uh, this one is actually making me kind of nervous. So if you want to pray for me in that, um, and that uh, just going back to a topical sermon, and then uh, this and, uh, topic particularly was just, uh, it, was, it was a difficult sermon for me to write, and uh, just nailing it down and, and figuring out uh, what it was that... Um, the Bible was saying on it and how to convey that and and to do it in a in a way where I wasn't going to uh, come up here and be like, and this is peace and this is how you need to understand peace and live your life because I've got to figure it out because I do not. And so um, in writing it, it was it was really good for me, um, very convicting and uh, and an opportunity which God used to to teach me quite a bit in this. So hopefully, um, through that, you can pick up a, a couple of things from it as well. So we're looking uh, first this morning in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 14. And so as, as an Advent passage or sermon, this is a, a pretty familiar passage. And so that is, um, here we have uh, Jesus has been born in Bethlehem, and uh, the shepherds are out. And uh, says we're at. so in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, no- good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, we come before you this morning, Lord, and, and we, um, as always, we, we just thank you for the opportunity uh, to be able to gather together um, as as your body, as as your bride, um, to uh, to praise your name, um, to exhort each other, to lift each other up, um, to gather as a body, and and to hear your word, Father. I just pray that um, that you will allow me to uh, just to, to share your words, and uh, and let me not uh, to interfere with the message that you have. Father, we pray that um, that your spirit just move and uh, and that, that we can understand peace that, that comes only from you, Father, uh, a peace that surpasses all understanding, um, a peace that, that can affect our own lives and our families and our church and, uh, and our community. Father, we just uh, we thank you so much for the blessings that you pour out, Lord, that, that you came and, uh, and you lived life on earth here. Father, as, as a human, and that, that you sacrificed your life for us um, so that, uh, that peace can be made between 
us and you. And Father, we pray this in your name. Amen. So, um, jumping into this passage in Luke, I think one of the first uh, things to notice here is is that whom uh, God chooses to make the herald of of Jesus' birth. And so, um, the kingdom of God ushers in with the birth the birth of Christ, which is is contrary to pretty much everything that was expected at that time. So, it, it wasn't it wasn't the religious, it wasn't the powerful, it wasn't the rich. Uh, that show up at Jesus' birth. Instead, God chooses to be born in a feeding trough to a blue-collar family, and he chooses to reveal himself first to shepherds. And so uh, I think this is one of those things that we, we probably gloss over in this story. I know that I do. Um, why did God choose to announce the birth of Christ to shepherds? I think I just kind of always assumed that it was shepherds because the angels showed up in a field and... That's who was out in the field at night were shepherds. And so, you know, he didn't show up to other people because they weren't there. But uh, if we look in the time of the New Testament, shepherds were basically the bottom rung of the working class. Um, when I first started explaining this uh, to Jonathan yesterday, uh, one of the first things he said, uh, well, David was a shepherd. And he's absolutely right. So at, at the time of King David... Uh, the role of shepherds was kind of raised up um, among people, and, and shepherds weren't quite seen so lowly. Uh, but between the time of David and the New Testament, we have Israel being conquered. They, they, they get shipped around to different countries. Um, in Egypt, they, they start developing agriculture much more, and so uh, shepherds get kind of uh, dropped down, and, and they're not quite seen as important as they, they would have been in the past. And so uh, if you want, you know, great food, it, it comes from agriculture. It doesn't come from raising animals anymore. And so uh, by the time of the New Testament, uh, shepherds are not just working class people, but again, they're, they're the bottom rung of the working class. In fact, if you read some Jewish writings from that time, it tells us that the shepherds were denied basic human rights. Um, they, they could not be used as a witness in a court of law. And one writing even says, if a shepherd were to fall into a pit, uh, you don't need to feel obligated to help them out. And so, uh, again, these, these weren't just, you know, uh, the standard working class guys. These are the lowest of the low, the people that work with animals and just dumb animals and stay out all day and they're just bored all the time and no one would ever want to do this or be around them or touch them or smell them. And so, yet this is who it is that God chooses to herald his coming. God chooses to come in a way which defies expectation and sets the tone for his earthly ministry. And so, um, you know, we, we know later that, that Jesus says that in the kingdom of God, it's, it's meekness and lowliness which is to be valued. That the kingdom of God wasn't coming for the rich and the powerful and the religious. It was he was coming for the broken and the poor and those rejected by society. So even at Christ's birth, he's, he's already setting these expectations. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to think about um, how, how God is, is, is fully man and, or Jesus is fully man and fully God, especially at the time of his birth, because he's a little baby. Um, and so, and I'm not saying that's an easy thing to grapple with, but we know it's true, and, and yet it's hard to figure out. But 
as Jesus is a baby laying in a trough, he is setting out standards for what his ministry is going to look like. He, he specifically chose, like, this is the time I'm going to be born, and this is how it's going to happen, and this is going to set the tone for what I'm going to do for the next, you know, 30-so years. And so at that time, when Jesus is born, he's turning the religious expectations on their head and, and saying that um, we, we think that uh, these are the chosen people of God. If, if, if you've been chosen by God, then you are rich, you are powerful, you are healthy, and those are all signs that God loves you and God is pouring his blessings out on you. And Jesus, as a baby, is saying, these are the people I love and these are the people I'm drawing to me. So then in Mark 2, we see how Jesus' ministry begins to shape and the reputation that it caused him to have with the religious elite. And so it says, And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So um, the first thing that I notice in this passage is, is, again, how contrary this is to how we often live our life as Christians. Like, how, how often do we isolate ourselves from people who don't love Jesus so that, that we can kind of uh, protect ourselves from the sin of others? You know, we, we want to build up um, some kind of protection so that uh, their sin isn't getting to us and, and affecting us. But the foundational problem with this approach is that we are sinners. And so no matter how many walls, how many protections we try to put, inside that wall is still sin. It is still filled with sin. It's still permeated with sin. And, um, and so... No matter how hard you try, you're never going to escape sin this side of eternity. Um, you know, we, we have that, that, that um, now but not yet, that, that we've been changed by God, that we have the Holy Spirit living within us as Christians, but still we, we are going to have to battle with sin the whole time that we are here. So Jesus then gives us a much different example. He doesn't flee from sinners in fact, he embraces them, he spends time with them, he converses with them, he gets to know them, he shares meals with them. And so uh, later Jesus had developed such a reputation that in Matthew 11 they call him a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so, uh, you know, knowing Jesus from what I've read in the New Testament, I don't believe that he was a glutton or a drunkard. Um, both of those are obviously sin, and Jesus was without sin. But Jesus was spending so much time with people who were eating and drinking um, that he developed a reputation that he spends all of his time with them. So obviously, he's over there, and he's getting drunk, and he's just eating, and eating, eating, eating. And, and so you, you can't spend time with those kind of people and not become those kind of people, obviously. And so, uh, obviously, we know that Jesus didn't just set that straight. If I got a couple of weird looks there. So, the fact here, though, is that Jesus is serious about sin. He's serious about salvation. He's serious about repentance. But the way that that 
shows itself in him isn't that he builds up a wall and he separates himself, but that he becomes the friend of sinners. It's in these kind of relationships and spaces that, that we can effectively share the gospel. People aren't listening to the guy who's standing on a soapbox yelling at people, telling them that they're going to hell as they're walking by. Like, they don't know that guy. They don't know why he thinks that they're going to hell. They don't know what, what they did to cause that guy to be angry at them. And so they're not going to listen to him. But they, people are willing, all people, we, we're willing to listen to those who we know care about us. And so this is exactly what Jesus does. He, he cares about people. And we, we see that Jesus didn't come like to show us new commandments to follow. Like at, at the nativity scene, Jesus is, is in the manger. He isn't holding like the next 20 commandments. Like Jesus comes uh, to, to show us, um, well, in, in John 3.17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So I, I think it's, it's safe to say that pretty much everyone here has felt that feeling of, of, of self-righteous people judging you. Um, maybe they're, they're judging your clothes or how you raise your kids or the, the friends that we have or what church we attend or don't attend. And yet we see that same judgment passed on Jesus in these passages. Um, think about that, like Jesus. The whole, the whole reason we have Christianity, the, the person that, that we worship, God himself, was judged for these things. So if, if you're feeling that, I, I think it's safe to say you're, you're in good company and you don't have much to worry about on, on that end. So, And again, I'm not saying that it makes us like Jesus. Just because someone has judged you doesn't mean that you are now like Jesus, but Jesus knows the judgment that we faced, and, and he stood against that judgment as well. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, you can rejoice, because that means that Jesus came for you. He didn't come for the religious. He specifically chose to spend his time with the non-religious people of the day, those that felt that they had nothing to offer to God. But if you are a Christian, then take that call seriously. Jesus was the friend of sinners. He was their actual friend, too, and um, they, they weren't lost people, weren't uh, projects or pets to Jesus, and they, they shouldn't be to us. They're not someone to friend until you, say, you get them saved, and then you leave them be, and then go find some more lost friends, um, and then you know, check their name off that checklist. If, if you don't have non-Christian friends, then one of my goals this morning is, is that you you begin to earnestly pray that, that God gives you deep love and affection for your neighbors, for your co-workers, your acquaintances, um, just people who are around you that, that have not embraced the gospel. Um, because if, if you don't have non-Christian friends in your life, there, there's a reason for that because they're, they're out there. They're everywhere, on your street, wherever, if, if you work, if, if you go anywhere, in town, you're, you're running into people that don't understand the gospel, that, that uh, don't, don't know that, that Jesus loves them. And so take that call seriously, that this is what Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't uh, just out preaching sermons every day. He was, he was in people's homes and in their lives and, and loving them. So if we go back to our passage, we see that, that God has sent the angels to tell the shepherds of the birth of Christ and what 
do the angels announce? So we have two things. Um, the first is where they say, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, no- good news of great joy that will be for the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the things to note here is, uh, is that we have a real day and a real city and the Savior who is Christ the Lord. So again, in, in reading Scripture, um, maybe you don't have this problem, maybe it's just me, but sometimes like especially all the different names and the different locations and things that would just don't really mean a lot to me specifically. It's easy to say like Bethlehem could very well be Narnia because I don't, I don't have a physical connection to it. And, and so I don't often think of it really as a, a real place. Like this was a real person born in a real place. And these were real guys who were just out doing their job that night who saw angels up in the sky. Like, it's not, it's not just a story, but these are real people who had a crazy thing happen to them one night. And so, so at, at the end there, we, we had, uh, born this day in the city of David is a savior who is Christ the Lord. And so this is what the, the angels are telling the shepherds. So, um, we have a savior. So that's someone who could save us from our sins. We have Christ, um, which is, is calling on the, uh, the Hebrew term, which would have been Messiah, which is uh, the long anointed one, the person that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And so assuming that, that these are, um, you know, uh, Jewish guys who are out there because they're in Israel and, and this happens to them, they, they, they would immediately recognize what this term meant. And then uh, the last is they say that uh, not only is this the Messiah, but this is Messiah the Lord. And so you know, they're saying the, the anointed one is God himself. And so again, real people, a real time, real thing really happens to them. Angels show up and say, uh, God was just born today. <laughs> like, it, again, it's, it's easy to just pass through these things because we, we've heard this, this passage over and over every Christmas. But like, it, it just, I don't know, it kind of dawned on me as I was going through this. Like, just imagine like, hey, God was born today. You should go check it out. Like, how insane must they have felt? So, and then another part of that is, is the language that the angels use is, is it's, it's either referencing or fulfilling the prophecy that, that we see in Isaiah 9. Because in Isaiah 9, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And so they're, they're using that same language. They're saying, for unto you a child is born. And so, so they're, they're calling on this passage and saying, this is it. Like the time we've been waiting for, for, you know, hundreds to, to thousands of years is, is here. Like the Messiah is here. He's born. And just like Isaiah said, he's God. And, and you need to take that seriously and go see him. So then after the angels tell them, this is what happened and, and you need to react to this, then the angels themselves, uh, and, and so this is the second thing, the angels themselves kind of just break out into spontaneous worship of God. And they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
So glory to God, praise God, because he has sent Christ, and Christ is born, and through Christ he shall make peace with mankind. And so, you know, the, the first part there is, is they're telling the shepherds this is what happened. But I think the second part wasn't like, I don't think they were necessarily like telling the shepherds like, you know, and, and, and this and this and this, but like they just were talking about this is what God's doing. He, he is going to make peace with mankind. And then they just broke out into spontaneous praise. And, and I think, you know, the, the angels themselves like were praising God, but they're probably like even a, kind of a little bit jealous in this situation because angels are not humans. Like they don't get to experience that relationship. Like Jesus is never going to be an angel, but he came and he was a man at that time. So the Bible is clear that, that we've rebelled against God. We're broken from birth, and none of us has righteousness. Our sin has caused discord between us and God. Romans 6.23 tells us that, that we're not just separated from God, but that the result of our sin is death, like physical death and spiritual death, that our sin has caused so much grievance between us and God that the only result is that we die. And so here is where the, the peace finally starts to come into this, if you thought that I was just rambling and going off here. So the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And the coming of Christ makes peace between our rebellion and God's wrath. Jesus steps into the middle and then brings the peace through his blood shed on the cross, absorbing God's wrath towards us, those who would uh, towards those who would believe and replacing it with God's pleasure um, and the imputed righteousness of Jesus giving to us upon salvation. So um, scripture is going to explain this better than I can. So I'm just going to read here. This is Ephesians 2. And it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So through the redemptive power of the work of Christ, we have been grafted into the body of Christ, and we have peace. We are no longer at war with God. So my next question then, like after I read that passage, is like, what, what does it look like? Like peace is just... And, and this was one of the hardest parts of me in this sermon is that the peace is just such a, an abstract term. Like, what, what does peace actually mean? And what, what does it actually look like when it's in our lives? And, and, and how does it affect not just like our personal relationship with God, but our relationship with, with other believers, with non-believers, with, um, with the world as a whole? And um, Philippians 4 goes into this. And uh, starting in verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul basically tells us that the uh, effect of faithful prayer is peace with God, that God will guard our hearts and minds. In setting our minds on what is worthy uh, of praise and practicing what is pure, what is honorable, then the God of peace is going to be with us. Making our requests known to God, seeking him in times of trial, then he will give us peace. His peace will literally guard our hearts and minds from anxiety over what is troubling us. So then if, if we go back to that original passage in Luke. So um, while there was peace coming to the whole earth through Jesus, there was specific peace to those with whom he is well pleased. And so, you know, through through the birth of Jesus and, and through the ministry and um, and sacrifice of Jesus, like peace comes to the earth. But peace specifically comes to us as Christians in, in a way that, that it doesn't come to the rest of the earth. And in the way that that, that works out in our lives is, is that as Christians, um, we, we have to seek God. We have to pray to God. And, and through, in, through that prayer is when he, he is going to um, minister to us and give us that peace. Um, and again, you know, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And so uh, our access to that peace is through prayer. But how hard is that? Like, uh, how, how many times have you been stressed out and, and you feel like you're out of control, yet you resist praying about it? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're better than I am in this, because I know for me that that seems to be like a continual problem in my life. Like, I, I want to solve my problems on my own. I don't want others to necessarily know about what I'm struggling with. Um, I don't want them to bear my burdens. I want to be able to figure out, this is my problem, and this is how I can fix it. And um, my dad is, is probably one of the best people for me in this. And that uh, anytime I've, I've, I've ever talked to him about this and I say, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I don't know what to do about this. Like um, his, his first question every time is, have you prayed about it? No, I, I, I mean, I'm going to pray about it. Obviously, Dad, I'm not just going to. Well, if you haven't prayed about it, why are you talking to me about it? Like, go pray about it and then call me. And. And and he's told me this my like my whole life over and over and over. Yeah, I still fall into the same problem all the time. Like, I know what I need to do first is go pray. Um, and and you know, and in other situations, I know there are other steps I need to take. But a lot of times, like, I know that the first step I need to pray is I I I need to pray. I need to seek out God. I need to seek out Him to give me peace in a situation. I need to seek out guidance from God. Uh, but I fight against it. Like, I don't want to do it. I, I want to be stubborn and I want to figure out just how to, how, how can I do it? How can I fix this problem? So Christ later, later tells us that uh, a mark of a changed life as a Christian should include peace. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. 
So as children of God, uh, we should not just have peace, but we should be so marked by peace that, that we're literally known as peacemakers in our community. There, there's power in the gospel, not just to change our individual lives, but for peace just to, to permeate our lives and our church and our community in, in a way that um, just can't happen without the power of the gospel. Like, there, there's power in the gospel to heal racial divides. There's power in the gospel to heal social and economic strife. Like, there, there's power in the gospel for peace that surpasses all understanding in our community. And we as children of God should be the ones who are driving that peace. We should be agents of peace because we have access to this peace that no one else in our community, no one else in the world can understand. Like, if, if we really believe that, if we really believe that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then we have access to peace that other people don't. And so since we have access to it, we should be the ones driving it. We should be the ones bringing peace to those around us. And so again, like, like that passage in Ephesians, we have been made one body through the cross and, and thereby killing hostility. So um, in closing today, I, I want to hope that, that you can find peace in, in three ways, uh, specifically in, in this Advent season. And so the first is peace with God. And so this is, this is that, that first step. With, without this first step, the other two don't exist. So um, the first part there is, is if, if you haven't surrendered your life to God and, and through the power of Christ, then you, you can't know peace. You can't have that peace because it, it literally comes from Jesus. So that first step is, is if, if uh, you don't understand the gospel, if you haven't committed your life to Christ, like seek that out. Um, you know, you can you can reach out to uh, any of the elders this morning, or basically pretty much anyone in here, and they would be glad to talk to you about it. But Romans five one says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, being justified by faith, God's anger for our sin is is put away. Our rebellion is overcome. We're adopted into the family of God. And then he is now our father and our friend. And so, and, and if you are a Christian, you, I know most of us, I know myself, we're, we're still struggling with this first step of, of just accepting that peace has been made between God and us. That, that God isn't just like eternally just driving us down with his thumb because he's so disappointed in us. But that, that God, through the power of Jesus, like has, has brought peace to us, that he... He doesn't just, like, even though we're going to continually fight with sin, he doesn't just see us, like, as this sinful, dirty person, but he sees us as his son, as his friend, as, as part of his family, as his beloved children, and, and he loves us, and he wants to bring peace with us, with him. And so, with, with that kind of leads into the second one, which is, is peace with ourselves. And so back to Philippians 4, through Christ we can begin to have peace with ourselves. Through prayer, our anxiety over sin and missing the mark can be laid aside. Like we no longer have to uh, strive to earn God's favor. It's been credited to us. 
And God uh, wants to guard our hearts and our mind for us. He wants to bring peace to us. God cares for you. He wants you to cast your cares on him. We need to constantly remind ourselves as believers that, that we have peace with God, like the, that that divide has been overcome. Um, again, that, that we're children of God, and we can have peace because God has already forgiven our sins, and God calls us as his own. So then, um, the last step then is, is peace with others. And so, uh, I, I don't think this necessarily means that like we just get along with other people. I don't, I don't think that's, that's what peace means in this. Um, Romans 12.18 says, uh, if possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And I know how hard this can be. Um, and again, this is why I, I kind of chuckled when Dan asked me to preach this. Like, um, you know, I, I've definitely had some times like where I'm not getting along with my neighbors and um, or I'm not getting along with coworkers or I'm not getting along with my family. And, and again, like writing this sermon was was very convicting for me and seeing that that I am not letting um, God's peace fall on me in a way it should. And, I, and I'm not being uh, the peacemaker that I should be. And I know um, for many of you that this can be extremely difficult, especially like at, at this time, like at, at Christmas time. Like for some people, it, it's this season is going to be revisiting awkward and uh, painful family relationships. Some people are going to go home and, and they're going to see uh, just hateful family. Some people um, are, are going to have to go home and, and face people who have been uh, who, who have um, emotionally or physically abused them. Like, um, I know there's, there's probably some people right now who, who are saying that uh, peace in this situation isn't possible, that, that I don't understand. Like, this person has, has hurt you in a way that, that I can't understand and that peace just can't exist. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I do understand that. Like, that, that's not what I'm here for. I'll... All I can offer is that, that Christ came not only to forgive, but he gave his life for the people who were, who were actively rebelling against him. Like literally as he's hanging on the cross and they're putting a crown of thorns in him, they're stabbing him, they're mocking him. He, he literally cries out to God to please forgive them. Like I, I can't say that, that I have experienced what you've experienced and, and to tell you this is how you can show forgiveness. Uh, all I can say is that Jesus has. Like, Jesus experienced hurtness far beyond anything that, that we can comprehend. Like, he literally gave up everything in heaven, came to earth, born in a manger, lived a life as a human, and we killed him. Like, he came to overcome our sin so that we could have eternal life with him, and we killed him. Like, I, I, I can't imagine what, what that kind of hurt has to feel like. But what I can say is, that, is that we can't change those that hurt us. Um, the only thing that we can do is pray for them. We can offer them forgiveness and then hope that, you know, the, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to work in both their lives and, 
in our lives. Ephesians 4 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, among with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So um, I just say, be amazed that, that you have peace with God, that God has forgiven you, that he has adopted you into his family, that your forgiveness to others uh, will likely be thrown back into your face. Um, but don't let it cause bitterness in you. Focus on the love and grace that Christ has shown you and turn to him in prayer. Keep trusting God. Keep praising God like the angels did that day and, and seek him like the shepherds did that day. So um, in order to, to end this this morning, um, I just, I just want to end with uh, the words that, that Paul gives to the church at Galatia. And he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So at, uh, at this time at BC, if you're new here, um, we're, we're going to have a, a little bit of a, of a, of a break. Um, and so we're going to have uh, someone come up and they're, they're going to play some light music for us. And uh, we, we take this time to, uh, to do communion. And so at BC, we, we do communion every week, uh, not because we just really love eating little crackers and grape juice, but because we we know that like like I was saying in this sermon that we just we constantly forget this and, and we need this reminder every week that that Jesus body was broken that his blood was shed and that because of that we we have new life in God that we have access to that peace that that we have been forgiven and so if you are a believer this morning we ask that uh after you you, you take a few moments and um, think about this and think about your relationship with God, that, that you come up and you can go through either side and, and get the, the cracker and the juice and, uh, and remember that sacrifice that Jesus gave. Uh, if you're, you're not a believer, we ask that you don't do this, not because we're trying to be punitive in any way, but just because you, you don't understand um, what it is that we're observing. And so you don't have a reason to celebrate Jesus sacrificing his body if it hasn't affected you personally. And so um, I think Dan's here. Is Dan in here? There he is. I can't see very well right now. I, I broke my glasses and I have an older pair, so he's just a brown fuzzball back there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Dan's going to come up and he's going to play some music. And uh, like I said, just after a few moments, you can feel free to come up and partake in that. So I'm going to pray. Father, we just, uh, again, we, we just thank you. Father, we, we thank you that, uh, that you sent your son um, to come to earth, Father, to, to forsake everything that was in heaven, to, uh, to come down and, and live not just as a human, but uh, but to be born in, in such a, an unfitting manner for a king. Father, we, we thank you that 
you desired not just to to focus on uh, on those who were religious or seemed to have their whole act together, Lord, but that um, you desired to bring life, to bring salvation, to bring peace uh, to those who needed it most. Father, we just uh, we pray that. Lord, that you just move in our hearts and show us that peace, Lord, that, that peace which surpasses all understanding, um, that, that we, we don't have to be anxious, we don't have to be um, just overwhelmed with, with our sin and, and how much we fall short, Father, but that, that we can be excited that, that you loved us, Lord, that uh, while we were still sinners, like we were actively rebelling against you, that you came to die for us. Uh, Father, just uh, help us as a body, Lord, to, to show that, that love and that mercy and grace and peace uh, to everyone within these walls. Um, Father, that, that uh, um, like you said, that, that through that peace, we have been made one body, Lord, that, that we are your body, and help us to uh, to realize that, to act upon it, Father. And uh, we just pray that um, as you continually show us the power of your gospel and how much we need your grace, Lord, that it breaks our heart for those um, who are within our communities, within our families, within our neighborhoods, um, our coworkers, and that, that we can show them love and mercy and grace in a way that they have never seen, Lord. Um, and it's not something that, that we can do, Lord, but just we ask that you work through us and let us not be a hindrance to you um, so that, that your gospel can move within our community. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.